Today is Wednesday, January 31st, 2024. We have come to the end of January. The first month of 2024 is now done. And that means that this year is uh, going by really fast, it seems like. At least it seems like that to me. Anyway, so when I last left you, um, it was on Tuesday, the 23rd. Yeah, I think it was the 23rd of January, which was just last week. Um, And I was telling you all about the Oscar nominations and what movies I had seen and what I was thinking about the nominations and stuff. And um, then I was telling you that that, that the week that the, <laughs> I swear, Downtown. starting off early, um, I was telling you that the weekend coming up was my husband's birthday. And so I'm going to tell you all about what we did on my husband's birthday weekend. So his birthday was on Friday, which was the 26th. And we started the day on Friday going to a... Um, an art exhibit at the National Gallery of Art. We went to see the Dorothea Lang photography exhibit. Now, you might be familiar with her. She is the lady who uh, did a lot of photographs during the Depression, during the Dust Bowl, during, uh, I think, up through the 50s. But um, mostly she's known for her photographs from the Depression era. And she's got some very famous photographs of the lady of a mother who had like three kids around her and she's got her hand on her um, chin and she's just like at her wits end because of uh, financial issues and so forth. But um, in any case, they had an exhibit at the National Gallery of Art and they displayed many of these same photographs that were part of her um, depression era photographs. And so we went and um, it was not crowded. It was a Friday, thank goodness. So there was not a lot of people there. And we spent our time, probably a good hour, hour and 15 minutes, going through the exhibit and reading all the different displays uh, next, to each, next to the photographs and stuff. And I found it very interesting because, you know, I'm a photographer, so um, I loved her work. Um, I noticed a couple things about the photographs, though, that I thought it was interesting. And certainly um, at the time, let's say, um, what, what they did was um, the photographs that they had uh, displayed were uh, maybe they were taken in the 30s like I don't know anywhere from like 32 through 39 something like that 1932 1939 long time ago and at the time if you think about the um, the the way photo- uh, photographers um, used their abilities back then the resolution of the film let's say was not the best so if you and she took um, all well I guess at that time it was the uh, main way of taking photographs was black and white. So then the photographs were printed in the 60s from her original negatives. And and they were printed larger than they probably were meant to be printed. And I, because I don't think she had anything to do with the printing. But um, in any case, um, what I noticed was there was a lot of grain. If you're a photographer, you know what I'm talking about. It's like you can see, almost see the pixels of the photograph. And the, none of these were digital, of course. This was all film and print on um, you know, photographic paper and so forth. So I was noticing a lot of grain in the photographs. And I was thinking to myself, well, that, that to me, grain means that the resolution or the lighting wasn't just right. And um, it produces that when you blow up a, a photograph and make it larger than the original uh, is meant to be. So um, 
I mean, I'm sure that that's the case with a lot of photographers back then, that when you take a picture and you only have a certain resolution, that when it's printed larger than the original resolution, then you're going to get um, grain and out of focus and uh, variations in color. So um, that was definitely a theme I noticed from photograph to photograph. Because I would say to my husband, I said, look at this, this looks like it's out of focus. But when really the case is that it it's blown up bigger than the original negative would be you know, meant for. So I noticed that a lot. And there were two photographs that I actually, um, I don't know, I can't say stood out to me, but two that I thought were very interesting. And one was called um, Country Store on Dirt Road. And this photograph was like an 8 by 10 so the resolution was much better than uh, photographs that they blew up and stuff. And basically, it's a picture of a, co- a country store, and on the um, front porch, they're sitting like four or five black men, and uh, it looks like the owner, or I think, well, if I look at the description, it's the owner's brother. Let's see, it says, country store on dirt road, Sunday afternoon. Note the kerosene pump on the right and the gasoline pump on the left. Rough, unfinished timber posts have been used as supports for the porch roof. Black men are sitting on the porch. Brother of the store owner stands in the doorway. And this was taken in 1939 in North Carolina. Um, I think it's very interesting because the... uh, well, the owner's uh, brother is a white guy, and there's these five black men sitting on the porch, um, smoking and enjoying a drink. Um, but on the on the actual store are all these signs like Coca Cola and Chesterfield cigarettes and Camel cigarettes and a Scotch ad, and um, lots of other like uh, advertisements all over the front of the building. And of course, it's like it's like a, like I said, a timber frame kind of. Um, really rough wood kind of uh, construction on the, on the store. Anyway, what I really like about it is that everything is actually in focus. And I took a picture of it. I'm not going to post it because that would be, you know, illegal to do. But um, I really, if you look, if you do any kind of uh, search for her photographs, search for Country Store on Dirt Road. Um, I really like that photograph. Another one I found was really interesting was of this young man, like in the 30s, um, it looks like he's, uh, you know, out of work and his hair is disheveled, but he's really attractive, I think. And he's really in good shape and it looks like he might be wearing shorts, but I can't really tell cause they only show a little bit of his legs. He's kind of like sitting on a post or something, but you can't really see because that part's below, you know, the frame or whatever. Now it's described as, uh, let me find it. Where is the description? Crap. I can't find it. Um, it's called, oh, there it is, Wandering Boy, Wandering Boy from Camp Carlton, California, 1935, and it's printed on gelatin silver print, um, and it says who the people were that gave it as a gift to the museum, but, um, it's, it, the, the guy is just really attractive, and it, he, he could pre, he could be, you know, plucked right out of 2024, on, with his disheveled hair, but he looks and it looks very attractive. But anyway, he's called Wandering Boy, and I would love to have a, a print of that photo. And again, this one's printed small. I, I it may be five by seven or maybe eight by ten, but um, it's small enough that you get 
some good detail in the photograph. It does look like it's slightly out of focus, but um, in any case, I loved this exhibit. We went to the, this exhibit on Friday and absolutely loved it. So um, then we, uh, uh, right next to this exhibit was another exhibit about called Etched, in, Etched by Light. And it was all about how they reproduced photographs um, in the late, in the 1840s to late 1870s and how they use this um, type of etching on, I would have, I'm not going to read it to you, but it's like they etched it onto like graphite or something. And then they were able to reproduce the photographs one after another, after another, and still keep the uh, resolution and the, uh, you know, clearness and stuff. It's, it was, you know, it's called, well, it's, um, I forget how do you pronounce this, uh, Photographeurs, photographeurs. It's a French term, and it means etched by light. Anyway, it was a cool exhibit. So um, we did that. We did that on Friday morning and um, walked around the, the uh, mall in Washington, D.C. Oh, excuse me. And then we went to, where did we go to have a little nosh to eat? No, I can't even remember. Um, I, don't, I can't remember the place we went to. Some little thing along the road. Oh, no, no, it was in the museum. It was in the museum. I, I got like a, actually, it was in the museum of, um, no, it's, uh, duh, here we go again. Downtown. It was in the Hirschhorn Museum at their little cafe in the lower level of the museum. And that's all right on the mall. The, the Hirschhorn Museum is famous because it's a big round building. And they literally just finished a renovation of that building. Anyway, so we went in there and just had a little little nosh to have to eat before we um, left to come home, and so we were gone a couple hours uh, doing that and really enjoyed it. You know, we used to go to museums a lot more frequently, but lately we've been very specific about looking at exhibits because a lot of the museums have um, exhibitions that stay the same all year round because the people who are coming to see it seem to be different all the time, so they want to have the same. Thing, but then there's of course certain shows that are coming for a short time. Like this one's going through, I think March 10th or something like that. So if you happen to be in DC, go to the National Gallery of Art West Building, um, and I believe it's on the first floor, um, and it's called Dorothea Lang, uh, Seeing People. I think it's called um, Dorothea Lang, Seeing People. Yeah. Um, that's the name of the exhibit. And it was so good. We really, really enjoyed that. That was really, a, a really a good uh, exhibit to see. Um, so there's that. And then we had reservations for that evening at uh, my, one of my husband's you know, favorite restaurants. Um, and I know it's not Chef Jeff, so I'm not going to play that song. We did not go to Chef Jeff's. <laughs> we went to a place called La Piquette. It's a French restaurant. And it's right across the street from Two Amy's. I don't know if you've I'm sure you've heard me talk about Two Amy's, a really great pizza parlor. Um, and this this restaurant's literally right across the street on the same street. A nice little French restaurant. My husband had duck, duck breast, and I had um, uh, roasted chicken and frites, uh, French fries. Um, and we had a nice bottle of wine. We had a great evening just sitting there, kind of you know talking and. We were. Um, I was asking him about how he was feeling for his, because you know he turned sixty, and um, he was talking about. Well, you know, I don't feel any different, but um, you know, I, I am sixty now. So he was. You know, he didn't. As I told you on the last podcast, it was a very quiet birthday. We didn't have a party. We didn't have you know 
people out at a restaurant where it was just the two of us, and he had some champagne for you know, the beginning of, well, he always starts with bubbles, and he had oysters, he likes having oysters, and um, then you know we had dinner, and then after that, we went to um, Barcelona Wine Bar, which is like uh, up around the corner from that restaurant, for an extra glass of wine after our dinner, and our favorite bartender was there, Muhammad, and he always, um, well, because we go there <laughs> enough that the guy remembers us and even remembers my drink, my uh, my wine. I have a an Albarino from Spain um, from a producer called Mila, M-I-L-A. And it's a, I have it every time we go there because I think it's so good. And my husband likes to try different wines. So while I am started my glass of wine, he's still deciding what he's going to taste. And Muhammad will let him taste like three or four different wines before he chooses one. So he did, hey, this time he actually had a white, but I don't remember the grape that he had, what, you know, what the grape was. So we had um, two glasses of wine, and then Muhammad brought over a little piece of cake with a candle in it for my husband's birthday. And um, I just sang him a quick little happy birthday, and the, the people sitting next to us on the right side um, was a mother and daughter, and, and they were celebrating the mothers being um, getting married for the second time. And the daughter is a student at AU, American University, which is right up the street from us. So we ended up chatting with them about wine, and they recommended places for us to go to in California. We shared with them their, our um, love of Virginia wine and so forth. So um, that was fun. We had a, a, the, the whole day just ended up just being perfect. It was a perfect birthday for him. So then we came home, and I had, I had, bought, I had bought him a cake, but we were too full to eat the cake on Friday. So we decided to save it for Saturday. And um, then, you know, it was like after dinner on Saturday that we had um, pulled out the cake. And it was like this big round chocolate cake that had um, what was called chocolate truffle cake. And it had like a layer of um, truffle cream or something in the middle of it. My husband loved it. I thought it was way too rich because, you know, I'm a plain kind of person, but um, he really enjoyed it. So that, that was fun. And then, so that was Saturday. So Saturday was kind of a, a calm, do-nothing day. Um, and then on Sunday, we went to um, our favorite winery, Grey Ghost, and we drove out there. It was raining and a little nasty on Sunday, but um, we went drove out there, and um, there were only a couple people at the winery, so we got all the attention, and we um, did a tasting of, well, we had a, like a vertical tasting of three different cabs, Cabernet Sauvignons, from 20... Uh, 1998, 2008, and 2018. So they all ended with eights. And the 98, 1998, that was, you know, 20, 22, 26 years ago. So that wine was 26 years old. And it was amazingly good. I, you know, I thought, wow, this is amazing. For a Virginia wine, uh, a Virginia red wine to put down for that long, um, it was really good. And then, but my favorite was 2008. Because that was a really good year in Virginia, and that I, you know, I think we both agree that that was our favorite of the three wines that we were tasting. And the 2018, eh, it wasn't all that great. It was okay. And as I was saying to the marketing person, uh, who's the daughter of the owners, I said, you know, if I had given, if you had given me a glass of this 2018 by itself, I would have said, oh my god, that's a really nice glass of wine. But since I was comparing it. To, oh, she also gave us a taste of the 2021. Um, I said, comparing it to all these different vintages, the 98, the 2008, and the 2021, um, I still think that 18 was the 
the lesser of the four wines. Like, it, it, you know, if I ranked them, it would be 2008, 1998, 2021, and then the last one would be 2018. Um, anyway, my husband and I, were, we were discussing that the whole time. And then we ended up having a bottle of uh, the uh, 2020 Reserve Cabernet Franc, or Cabernet Sauvignon from Grey Ghost with our lunch. We, we took, um, you know, sandwiches and nibbles and stuff. And we basically stayed there all afternoon. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say all afternoon, for a couple hours. And then we went to um, another winery that, that's close by that I am a member of, and I had club pickups. So I had, you know, um, three three pickups, which was like um, half, a, half a case. And I went ahead and bought six more bottles and made it a case. So we brought a case home. And we also brought a case home from Grey Ghost. We got the reserve Chardonnay. So we had two, we bought two cases of wine on Sunday. So, um, yeah, so then we just came home and relaxed. And um, it was a really, a really nice weekend. I think he really enjoyed his birthday weekend. It, I mean, we, we had a great time doing the things that we love to do. So um, I think he was very appreciative and, and happy with that. Now, um, I have a voicemail to play from Baron Frosty, and then I want to chat about that for just a minute. So let's listen to this voicemail from um, Baron Frosty. Hey, Archer Radio, it's Baron Frosty. I wanted to call and say hello and also to thank you for the Oscar commentary. I really appreciate it, and it gives me a lot of great ideas for movies I want to rent on and put on my treadmill TV. So please keep the uh, movie commentary coming. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for the call, Baron Frosty. I appreciate it so much. I love it when people call. And that you appreciated all my discussion of the Oscars and the movies and recommendations and all that. Um, speaking of that and going along with Baron Frosty's uh, voicemail there, um, since last week we watched um, Napoleon, which is, I think it's an Apple TV production. I, I, sh- I shouldn't say that because I don't know for sure. But um, I had downloaded that movie. Uh, <laughs> I shouldn't say that. I downloaded the movie and then um, we watched some of it on Friday night after um, our birthday stuff. And then on Saturday during the day, um, I was trying to add movies to my Plex Media server, the uh, the NAS system that I have, which is uh, network attached storage. And so for some reason, I did something wrong. I clicked on something, and it updated the software. And then my my Plex app couldn't connect to the server. Couldn't connect to the the NAS server. And I was like, what did I do wrong? And I'm like, I should never have updated the software on that thing. Because I was running on the original software that I bought, whatever, four, three, four years ago, whenever I started doing this. And so then I spent the entire day on Saturday trying to figure out, because it would not, I could not get to my movies. And um, so I watched all these YouTube videos on, and, and I said, I'm just gonna reach, I'm just gonna start over. So I completely erased the NAS and lost all my backers, but that's okay because um, my computer's working fine. I didn't, I didn't really lose anything. So then I reinstalled the software and then I reinstalled Plex Media Server and then I um, uploaded my 1,272 movies and, I, and it still wouldn't connect to it. So then I watched a very specific YouTube video on how to start a Plex Media Server and I missed one step in giving the um, Plex app permission to uh, have access to the Plex Media server. And then it worked just fine. 
So now it's back to normal. But it took forever, forever to, um, first of all, update the software. Second of all, to reload all the stuff. And then it then it has to go through an initial backup of my system, which it did, and that took a couple hours. And then um, I uploaded all the movies, and that took a long time because I have so many movies. And um, luckily, when I uploaded the, well, what I ended up doing, once it started to work, I said, I'm just going to go ahead and upload Napoleon so that we can watch it, um, the rest of the movie. So uh, let's see, today's Wednesday, so I think it was Sunday, yeah, uh, Sunday or Monday, we ended up watching the rest of Napoleon. Now, in terms of recommendations, the movie Napoleon was a fine movie. It was definitely not an Oscar contender. Um, there were no outstanding acting roles. Um, you could tell a lot of it was CGI or whatever they're calling it, AI or whatever, how they produce some of these um, scenes and stuff. And um, my husband said they were uh, chronologically incorrect on the major things that, that they were showing in the film. And my biggest thing was that um, Joaquin Phoenix played Napoleon, and he simply looked way too old for the part. Um, my husband, of course, was a history teacher, and he to told me all the stuff about Napoleon, that really when all this was happening, Napoleon was like 30 years old. And um, Joaquin Phoenix is like 50, and it, he looks, it looks that way on his face. So he did not look like a young Napoleon, that, that's for sure. Um, I did like the lady who played um, Josephine, but I don't know what her name was. <laughs> um, I don't think she's a big star, but uh, she did a good job. But again, nothing that nothing that I could recommend being part of, uh, you know, uh, should receive an Oscar nomination for anything. And I don't think it got any nominations. Maybe it got one for costumes or something like that, but nothing like, you know, best movie, best picture or anything like that which is like exactly how I felt that it was you know, deserved. Now, another one, we started to watch last night. Well, once I got um, that done, I uploaded all the rest of the movies and everything's back to normal on the Plex Media server and the NAS and all that stuff. Um, but anyway, so last night I said, let's, let's start Wonka because I downloaded Wonka, um, the movie that was released, I think it was in December. Um, I think it was in December. And it stars Timothy Chalamet with some other people. Um, we started to watch this, and I'm thinking, you know, I love Timothy Chalamet. I think he's a gorgeous young man. But, um, you know, the, the movie, uh, like we watched the first hour of it last night, and I'm like, you know, we can shut this off anytime if you want. And he said, well, my husband says, he said, well, this is really like a kid's movie because they, you know, it was clearly aimed at children. So I'm thinking, you know, this is just... It's just not the movie for me. I, I was thinking it was going to be great because of Timothy Chalamet, and the trailer looked, made it look real, like it was a really good movie. But generally, it, it's so far in the first hour, it's not that not that great of a movie. So um, I don't even know if we're going to be able to finish watching it. I just I, I just don't know. So there's that. We'll we'll decide tonight if we're going to watch the because yeah, it's only like not quite two hours long. So we can watch another hour tonight. Now, one one last thing. I know I've been talking for 23 minutes, but I want to go a little bit longer. Um, and I, I put this on my Twitter yesterday, and I think on... Uh, no, I didn't do it on Instagram. 
Well, anyway, my, I think I mentioned this. My husband has started a new cooking channel on YouTube, and it's called The Cajun Cooks. And many of you went over and watched the video yesterday because I posted his first cooking video, and it's called The Cajun Cooks Jambalaya. And it's about 14 minutes long, but you learn how to cook jambalaya, at least my husband's version of jambalaya. And he was so proud of it. I think it's been seen like 60, 60 times, which is you know pretty good for a brand new channel. And he got 13 subscribers yesterday. So I'm like, that's you should be very, you know, very proud of yourself for you know, getting that much attention. Um, you know, we put it on, he put it on his Instagram and we, he, I got him a new Instagram account that's called the Cajun Cooks. And then on Twitter, he's also the Cajun Cooks. Um, and you can find those on the YouTube channel. If you go to um, YouTube and search for the, the Cajun Cooks, um, you can find it. You might have to scroll through a whole bunch of other Cajun people to get to his, but it's the Cajun Cooks. And you could subscribe and watch his videos. He said he has two videos up so far. The first one was just like a little introduction video, like a welcome to the channel video. And then his first cooking video uh, was posted yesterday. And so you can check that out. And he's going to be trying to do like one a month, um, a different uh, Cajun recipe. And I believe the next one is cassoulet. Oh, and at the same time, he pairs Virginia wines with it. So there's like a tie-in to our, our hobby of Virginia wines. But um, anyway, and I did all the filming and all the editing and all the, you know, the intro and all that kind of stuff. So check out the video. It's called The Cajun Cooks Jambalaya over on his channel, The Cajun Cooks. Okay. All right. So I've been talking now for 25 minutes. I'm going to stop because you know, I, I don't like to go too long. But I will say one more thing. Um, tonight, this afternoon, about two hours, we're going to go to uh, Betsy's house and have some champagne because uh, she's been asking to celebrate uh, my husband's retirement and uh, Christmas and his birthday. So we're doing all this stuff, and she's going to have some Prosecco. We're going to socialize for a little bit, and then we're going to go out to dinner. Um, where are we going out to dinner? Oh, just up the street at DiCarlo's. Anyway, that is all I have for today. Um, Baron Frosty, thank you again for the voicemail. I really appreciate it. I need to listen to your show. and call. I'm so, Again, I am still so far behind on, on podcasts. It's terrible. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for staying subscribed. And until next time, bye. Bye.